Hi, everyone, and welcome to Surviving Real Life. I'm Matt, and this is Daryl, and on this podcast, we're giving you our thoughts on current events in everyday life. Now, before we get started today, don't forget to follow our podcast, available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, and Pocket Casts, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're finally reaching a point where we're almost out of lockdown. I don't know about you guys down south, and I still don't know the final date of the actual lockdown being finished, but it feels like there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Ford announced that we're going into a color system, which means red is bad, yellow is not bad, and green is like, hey, go have a beer with your friends. Does it not feel like forever since you've had a beer with your friends? Oh, man, like the virtual beer I've had to have with people is not cutting it. Like like I'm almost getting to a point where I want to have a beer with my four-year-old just because I want to socialize so bad. Non-alcoholic wouldn't be that big of a deal, would it? No, of course not. <laughs> Do you ever hear of those celebrities? Uh, Dak Shepard and uh, Frig, I don't know his wife's name. Uh, the blonde Kristen Christine. or something? Yeah, Christine or, yeah. Uh, they give their like seven or eight year old girls like non-alcoholic beer. So they're just chilling out in the kitchen. The mom and dad are having a glass of wine and the kids are like, Hey, I want a beer. Here's a non-alcoholic one. Have at it. <laughs> I'm like, you know, there's sometimes that like being modern parents, you have to draw a line. I feel like yeah. that's it. That might be a little bit much. Like I even saw there was a commercial in the Super Bowl yesterday, you know, a guy sitting uh, in his car with it, with an open bottle of beer and he, cop comes over and he points to his bottle and zero percent Ooh, the heineken yeah and i'm like but even that sends the wrong message like it absolutely does wrong message to send i just i didn't really like it and how many douchebags are actually going to do that on purpose just to mess with cops you know they're going to be waiting for a cop to be parked in like uh like a little side road and like oh yeah this guy's checking my uh my speed but i'm gonna pull out a beer stare at him as i'm drinking a bottle of beer and see if the guy pulls me over that's brutal. Yeah, I hated that commercial. I did not like it. No. But yeah, no, the lockdown, man. I'm I am excited. You know, like I said to my my parents, they were helping me watch my daughter um while my son was in school before Christmas. And they haven't seen us since like Christmas Eve when the lockdown came into effect on Christmas Day or whatever, Boxing Day. So we haven't seen them since, you know, end of December. Which I guess if you look at the calendar, it doesn't seem that long, but it feels like forever. And so I was talking to my dad on the weekend. I said, the minute this thing is done, I'm taking my kids over. Yep. You know, like today, my daughter was sitting on at the whiteboard drawing, like scribbling on the thing. And she goes, look, it's grandma and papa's house. <laughs> you know, like she's like, she wants to see them. Um, and I, so when my wife came over, I was in a meeting and she's like standing behind the computer going, honey, honey, the color system is back. So we're really, we're really quite excited about it. I just hope that people don't ruin it by going crazy like they did in the summer. You remember that? Uh, I don't. You know what? I find it weird. Like living up north. I mean, like not super far up north where there's igloos and we ride moose, but I mean, still far enough far enough up north where I feel like it doesn't hasn't really hit us. Mind you, there's like a massive outbreak and I had an extended care nearby, but. Uh, and I feel like just because I get to go to work, I don't feel like there's an actual lockdown. My life since COVID hit last March has basically been go to a grocery store, go to work and go home. And I feel like nothing's changed. So a color system to me almost doesn't change anything. I still don't get to play basketball. I don't get to go hang out with a bunch of friends at a concert or movies. So I feel like maybe I'll get to hang out with my parents and a couple of close friends and have some drinks and that's it. 
don't get me wrong. I'm still excited about it, but I still want the goddamn end of the tunnel, man. I want it. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like I, I think so for us here, it's going to end up being like probably the next week or two, it'll be sort of like that orange color or whatever, you know, um, which will mean like partial reopening and we should be able to like, so for example, you know, the jam space, my band and I rehearse at, we'll be able to go and, you know, practice again, as long as we're all wearing masks and stay far enough apart. Luckily, the room is pretty big. I'll be able to go see mom and dad again, which would be nice. You know, restaurants will be open, but I'm not bringing my kids to restaurants and just getting dirty looks the whole time. You know, the, the indoor play areas for the kids, I'm not going to take them there. Like, it's still Corona. It's still happening still happening i'm not gonna just be like oh everything is open i can go to a bar and and just hang out like it's one thing you know to go i I went with some friends in the summer and we sat at a table you know and they were people that i trusted at that point and have have the bubble they're people that i trusted we sat at a table it was like 10 o'clock at night you know we followed the rules we were outside on a patio and the whole place was jam-packed with a bunch of people who were just drunk and acting like everything was normal so we we chugged our drinks and we got out of there Cause even though we were following the rules, it was just like, it was, it was COVID central, man. It was terrifying. What I'm afraid of honestly is like you start lifting the restrictions and like to go back to what it was, we already had to go back and you see like the mental state of people right now is awful. Mix that with like winter blues. And I'm sure you probably have one of your highest suicide rates, divorce rates, mental health, like breakdowns, anxiety, how do you come back from that if you have to go back to lockdown how do you do this a third time i'm hoping this is it you know the vaccinations are starting to hit the hospital or the hospitalization rate is down 30 percent and really we haven't even uh, vaccinated that many people so i'm hoping this is it like the like the light at the end of the tunnel where it's like hey hopefully by spring summertime like we're back to obviously not normalcy because i don't think there's such a thing as normalcy but i mean Hopefully there's no more lockdown where it's like, hey, let's go to the grocery store, let's go to a restaurant, let's go hang out with friends. Yeah. Yes, keep your social distance and masks. But I mean, I'm, I'm hoping it's there. I'm hoping we kind of like turn that corner. Yeah, we just need people to be smart. Like just because, just because the lockdown is over doesn't mean that it's open season. You can do whatever you want. Like use your brain. That's right. Be smart and don't ruin it for the rest of us. You know, I mean, how many times on this on this podcast have we said that? Stop ruining it for the rest of us. You know, they're going to leave a provision open where you know, like the or like the the highest you know health authority in the province and the local health unit authorities can say no, there's something wrong here. We need to reinstate lockdown in like each individual health unit. Yeah, that won't need to happen if people are just you know, use their brains. Unfortunately, I live in a city with four post-secondary institutions. You know, it, it's it's kind of worrisome to me. I don't know if I can trust a lot of these students and these people to to follow the rules because they've shown us in the past that they just can't do it. Oh my God. Just being in school, like I tell you that for a fact, kids do not social distance. It's like not in them. They have like, no matter the age, they have no ability to understand what's for the greater good like and let's be honest like i'm sure like when you and i went to university together when we're you know 18 19 we probably felt invincible too so if we were in university and there's a virus going around i'm sure that you and i and everybody else around us would have been like man let's kind of like go behind closed doors and uh, bring that keg 
<laughs> but uh, you know what I will say though, I'll give props to the uh, vaccination companies right now. It looks like it's working. I was skeptical, man. I mean, I'm hoping there's no long-term effects, but I mean, it looks like it's working. Like I said, for hospitalization rate to be down 30%, even the nurses and healthcare, the people in the front lines are saying, hey, it's doing its job. Mind you, the new strain of virus looks like a li- little bit more deadly. Well, what do you think? yeah, I mean, there's the whole new strains popping up here and there, and they're putting in restrictions in place to try to limit it, but it is a little worrisome. Um, but you know, that's a good place for us to just take a quick break and then we're going to come right back and we'll get into that. So stay tuned. So one company that actually failed their vaccinations, and I don't want to say fail because it just hundred percent doesn't work, but, uh, they had to pull out of Africa. It's the company, the Oxford and AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccination company. They had to pull out of Africa because their vaccination didn't actually work against any of the new strains. So just when you think you have it, people are finally lining up to get vaccinations. Once again, you're pulling the rug out from under them. Sorry, guys. You're going to have to wait even longer because we messed up. We all messed up, man. Well, how, but how do you... I mean, I guess I don't know enough about it, right? But like, how do you how do you predict all these different strains? Is it kind of like the flu where you you do what you think is the best and you hope that you're effective, you know, based on what you think you know? Or is it that they put in enough like extra stuff that'll that'll take the the main strain that we all we all know and love and then you know add to that these different variants that might that we are either aware of or might come up? Um, but yeah. here's what I here's what i don't get you have how many different companies creating a vaccine like moderna pfizer astrazeneca just to name three offhand now you have a like a population of the world of like seven to eight billion people why could these companies not come together for the greatest of good of mankind and create a vaccination that is effective beyond effective because all three companies like the major companies have different forms of the vaccination some fight the spike protein some fight the actual strain of the virus some do other things where it improves your uh, antibodies to detect the virus like why is there no like solid vaccine i don't get it and you know i started thinking about the flu shot you have a flu shot that takes like the old strain of the virus to create an like, immune response in your body why are we not focusing on that so that we can actually create like a herd immunity? I don't know. I, I honestly, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess at the end of the day, I mean, it all comes down to money, right? Yeah. It's like, there's a reason why this type, this type of storyline is in like two or three different Bond movies where, you know, someone's got, the, or a Mission Impossible movie, you know, I'm pretty sure the Mission Impossible 2 covered this or something where it was like, you know, they released this deadly, virus because they're the only ones who have the the cure yeah. it's all about it's all about money and and patents and you know making profits it's like we talked about last week i mean one of the companies i think it was pfizer you know lobbied the canadian government to give it tax breaks after it and after it passed its health canada vaccine trial <laughs> you know it's like oh we'll give you all these all these doses hey by the way while we're at it can you uh, give us some tax breaks god like, it's, it's, it's insidious. I mean, I'll say like you, it would be lovely if we lived in a utopia where, you know, as a, as a species, we could say, man, this is a threat to all of us and we want to stop this. So let's get our best minds together and fix the problem. 
but we live in a you know financially driven society that everything is about you know the dollar and what better business opportunity is there than being one of the only companies in the world who can cure a pandemic that's right I just wonder if these people who are super loaded, the millionaires and billionaires of the world, do you think when they start getting like all their funds, they ever just like, Hey man, if I get rich, I'm going to stay humble and think of like the common man. Oh, you think like they think like that. And all of a sudden they start getting their millions. Like, no, nah, I'm not sharing that bro. I worked hard for that. No, nah. you know, what I, like how many humble elites are there? That's wrong. You know what I really like is Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett's like one of the richest dudes in the world. You know, he's older than dirt. He's been doing it forever. Um, and, you know, he, he's one of the greatest investors. Like, the guy's a genius. He's got kids. And he's basically said, you know, my kids are going to inherit like 1% of my wealth. Everything else when I die is going to charity. That's amazing. You know, and I was like, that, you know, amazing. Because those that 1% or however much it is, it's like peanuts. Um, is for Peanuts for him. For him, exactly. For yeah. <laughs> an ungodly amount of money but then i think the rest of it he's giving to the bill the bill and melinda gates foundation i think is what it is or a big chunk of it is going there if he's just got all these charities that it's going to inherit all his wealth you know and you think of like if if more people were like that that would be incredible yep. you know because how is it that we have so much money in the world and so so many rich people in such prosperous countries and yet we still can't feed people in our own cities let alone other places in the world. Like my wife and I were in downtown the other day and, you know, there were just homeless people in minus 20 degrees huddled, you know, on, in like walkways. And one guy was sitting over a vent, you know, just trying to stay warm. And you're like, you know, how does this happen? <laughs> you know, but it, not, it's, yeah. it, it's exactly that. It's money. It's, it's all money. Well, nothing boggles my mind more than a goddamn professional basketball player who can make 40, $45 million per year, put a goddamn rubber ball through a hoop. And like, good for them. They're talented. But I mean, with all the suffering going on in the world, this guy has taken home 45 goddamn million dollars. Yeah. Like, what the hell is wrong with everybody? Mm -hmm. No, it's insane, man. Um, but with that new virus, I actually had like this crazy, like hypothetical situation that I kind of asked myself. I'm like, if every single person, and this is actually like an impossible situation because you know it would never happen, but if every single person in the world stayed in their house for 30 days, 30 actual days, no grocery stores, no essential services, nothing, what would happen to the virus? Would it be gone? Would it be obsolete? If there was absolutely nobody left to spread it, would it be gone? Or is this something that is now in our genes forever? Is this the new flu? I mean, yeah, I, I, that's a good question. I don't know. Like, it's not like it started with humans, right? So even if we all stayed home, I mean, I don't, is, is this thing still spreading among animals? Well, it originated from bats. Right. But but it's, actually, it's funny you're saying that. There's actually like a, a company, I think it's from the US that are working with China. They're trying to investigate how this actually started, and they're working with uh, the scientists in Wuhan because I guess that's one of the most popular theories is that it escaped from the lab, the virus lab, right? They're, anyways, so they're working closely with them to actually investigate where this actually started, which would be nice to know. Well, I guess for preventative measures alone. Wow, that's this, is, this is a virus that's been around forever. They've known about coronaviruses. This just happened to be one of the viruses that spread rapidly and was, you know, contagious as hell. 
Right. And I kind of remember, I remember when it first started, it was like, oh, well, you know, it's not killing that many people, you know, and then it hit Italy and we're like, oh, what, what is this? And you see like the impact that, that it can have on a healthcare system and the infection rates and like, it, it, it just kind of took off. And I don't know, man, like if, if everyone left for 30 days, I think it would really reduce you know, the spread of it for sure. But I don't think it's going away. I think that this is something that we're going to have to understand. It's like, it's like SARS. Like SARS is not gone. It's still around. You just don't hear about it anymore because it's understood. We, you know, it's very limited now. It's, it's, you know, the response was, was strong to it. So yep. I don't think that, you know, COVID-19 is ever going to just disappear. I think as a, as a species, we're going to adapt, whether through technology and medicine or through biology and overcome. I don't think it's the super bug that's going to wipe us out. But I do think that, you know, it, it really exposed a lot of vulnerabilities in, in, our, in our systems, our medical systems, our economies, our supply chains, like so many areas and if the next one comes along that's bigger and badder man i don't know wasn't that ebola wasn't like ebola supposed to be like that pandemic that we're supposed to face i don't know i don't i don't know if there was one that was like geared to be the next one i'm not sure kind of scary to think about it well it's it's scary to think about how like we, everyone kept saying, you know, there, there's going to be a super bug, you know, because of penicillin and antibiotics and all this stuff. There's going to be a super bug that's going to become immune to all of this and just wipe us out. And I remember being like, yeah, yeah, you know, that sounds all, all great. And then you're like, oh, wait, what is that this? Happen. You know, coronavirus. And all of a sudden, here we are a year that we can't do anything with our lives because of a flu. Yep. Um. And I guess it also makes you appreciate um, how we've adapted to the flu. <laughs> appreciate or just get sick and tired of the lifestyle, the new lifestyle. Well, I just mean like, I, I think about, you know, how this has brought us to our knees. And then I think about the flu and how it still kills people, but we've kind of learned to live with it and we've learned to overcome it for the most part. Yeah, and I guess like with technology and keeping track like historically of data like that, there's no real social media. There is there's no history books with like the the plague of 1918, which have been our last pandemic. Like I'm sure everything wasn't reported on, and like social media didn't really talk about it. Yes, it affected them for three four years, but uh, I feel like it wasn't as big of a deal historically as this is going to be because we're living through the social media era, the technology, and like like economy, like one of the biggest of all time, but this is us. This is us living through it. You know, this is going to go down in the history books. Like, yeah, we have survived hopefully this pandemic. You know, is this, is this how they felt in 1918? Probably. Probably go looking out their door and just seeing dead people getting rolled down the street. That's right. You know, I'm saying so like, yeah, you're right. When it brought us to our knees, like, yeah, we're going to be in the history books. And it's funny, you watch TikTok and all these people have these videos of like, uh, you know, 2060 or 2080 when the kids go and ask the parents, oh, dad, look, I'm learning history. And uh, what is this virus of 2020 that you're talking about? Like, this is going to be a thing. <laughs> That's insane. It's like, not that I'm comparing it to like 9-11, but like when you live through big events like this, that you're not just reading historically, 
it's kind of crazy when you actually take a step back and be like, holy shit, I lived through towers being destroyed, uh, wars, a virus, um, you know, ridiculous presidents. Like, this is my lifetime. This is it, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's insane. What's one, it's one thing after the next. And, you know, I was just saying how the coronavirus is like that wake-up call that the whole biological, you know, the superbug theory is, is really a thing. You know, what about now, now my, my next thought goes to, okay, now what about global warming? Ooh, but that's, they've been talking about that for, since what, the late eighties, nineties? Oh no, for sure. But they've been talking about superbugs for a long time too. Oh, you're saying like, are they going to start taking global warming seriously? Who knows? Maybe, maybe people will start to actually listen. Like, what would you say that, but you know, and I guess whether, you know, I shouldn't get into this because I'm not a scientist. I don't really know. But like, you know, weather patterns are already getting more extreme. Weather events are more extreme. Look at the fires, you know, last year and at this time, you know, it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse. You know, what if there is that one big event that's going to happen that's going to change the, the landscape? Ice know. age number three. Watch out. You know, you ever wonder if, if what happens if we're the last I mean, I know we're not going there and, and the coronavirus is not that, but like, it gets, it gets you wondering, like, if it were this, if we're this vulnerable to something like this, you know? Okay. Like I have like a weird, like fantasy about that kind of shit. Like if I didn't have kids, I'd be excited to experience like end of the world post-apocalypse. Maybe I've watched too many movies, zombies (laughs) and Mad Max, but like, yeah, I don't want to just read about it. I kind of want to experience it just to see what it's all about, man. I know that sounds absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, if I'm going to go out, I don't want to go out with like cancer, like, you know, be on my deathbed. I want something. I want zombies. What can you I say? You want zombies or Mad Max? I, I want zombies. I've, I already have, well, we already have our zombie plan, let's be honest. Yes. It's ready. But let's get back on topic here because obviously we talked about zombie apocalypse forever. Um, speaking of ridiculousness, though, how about canceling March break? Should we take a break before getting into that? I think that's probably a good idea, and then we can uh, we can get into March break and finish off strong. Let's do it. So I'm going to give it through a teacher's perspective. It's not like we have countdowns. Uh, I mean, maybe during COVID, it's probably a little easier to have countdowns. Uh, But we look forward to things like Christmas break and Easter, Thanksgiving, and obviously March break. Because really, like, people think we just have two months off, like, as teachers, which, cool, we do. But, like, people don't see how much time we put in in August or after school coaching or all these little things. Like, even report cards. Last week, I spent an extra 20 hours during the weekend getting that done while I had two kids roaming around. That's the stuff that people don't see. But I digress. March break is something we look forward to, not just for us, but for our kids and the kids we teach. They need a break. We need a break. So how do you take that away? And I get it. Their idea is that if we take away March break, we're slowing the spread of virus even further because people no longer have the ability to go see each other, go travel. But I mean, I feel like that should be put in place, right? Keep your, your flight restrictions. Or you're not allowed to go overseas or you know, be smart about it. Don't go anywhere. Just stay home. Enjoy each other's company while you take that break from life. Mm-hmm. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the other side of that, though, and and recognizing everything that you said and and 
appreciating that while you know parents think that their kids have just been home teachers have been working hard to try to keep up with their requirements at home with their own kids plus teaching other people's kids virtually so i know what i'm about to say might tick off some people who work in education but i think that with everything going on with time that's been missed by students already with like with some of the challenges that have been going on with educating with you know learning what that looks like for kids for kids learning how to do it all that stuff that we should cancel march break power through and get as much catch up as we can so that we can return to some kind of normalcy in the fall okay well here's my question for you what would it look like by region taking my kids into consideration my students have only missed four days for, to go online in terms of education otherwise we've missed no school. So are these kids who should suffer by getting their March break taken away because South is bad? Is that fair? No, that, that's a good point. And that's the... What, what about the kids who are suffering from that, uh, the mental pressure of school? Hey, I have to do this online. I've done it for online for three months. I'm struggling. You know how many kids have come back to my classroom from online because number one the parents forced them out of fear which is understandable but now they're trying to catch up they they were failing online i'm gonna say every kid who's come back i shouldn't say every kid but a large portion of my kids who came back to class or my school were failing their online education because they couldn't handle sitting there for five six hours mm -hmm. it was a lot of work for them they had to stare at a computer screen for five six hours now what better way to recharge than giving them that five days off go have fun with your friends and really, you say education, catch up on education. Okay, I get it for South. That's been in online education for, you know, two, three months. That's, it's rough. But I mean, at what point do you say, hey, these kids need a, a recharge too? Right. I think that, I mean, again, you're, you're right in that you guys where you live haven't really been facing it in the same way that we have because, you know, we're not in the hot spot, but we're in one of the hot spots. And you know, there's been a lot of missed school, just not even from like online education perspective, but even just like you have a sniffle, therefore you're out for a week while you get tested. Like my son missed three weeks of school within the first month and a half, you know, for sniffles. But I, I would say that getting out of the house and having social interaction is so important and valuable for kids that age. Now, if you have high school kids or older kids that during the March break, they can go out to parks with their friends or whatever. I get that, but there is a huge chunk like that. I wouldn't trust to not have parent supervision parents who still have to work, who can't take the time off because we've already taken all of our holidays. Like I've taken all of my holidays because of COVID. I, there's no more time for me to give. I've missed, you know, half days of work all over the place, just trying to keep up with my kids and, and look after these young these young kids while I'm trying to work at the same time. I can't ask for any more time off. My wife can't ask for any more time off. So there's like this balancing act because you're 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 totally right. And and it's funny hearing both sides. Eh? Yeah, well, <laughs> somebody who's in like the front line and uh, of teaching, and somebody who's like a, as a parent. Yeah, it's 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 tough because I I need my kids like not only for my sanity but for for Sawyer's sanity. He needs to be in school. He needs to be with his friends. Because if he's not, then he's going to spend the whole week downstairs in front of the TV while dad works. 
you know, and he goes crazy. He legit just bounces off the walls, breaks stuff, hurts his sister and melts his mind. And anyone listening who's like, oh, well, you know, you can have all these education programs. Yeah, I'm sure that I could. And I know that parents do that. Yeah, common sense. You know, that's. But in my, in my work, I can't, there's, it doesn't really function that way. But for you, like being up north, maybe it's a little bit different. You guys haven't had the same, you haven't missed the same amount. You haven't lost that social interaction as much. I don't know. And this is where like, I'm sure the government has like the trickiest part, right? Because they have to appeal to like the north and the south and all the people in between. And how do you do that? Like, how do you make things fair? And I think that was one of the reasons why right after Christmas, we stayed in our like not a lockdown, but we stayed into uh, online education because we didn't have any cases where we are like anywhere in our surrounding regions. But like, if you think in terms of fairness, like down South right away, they're online and they're staying online. And now a lot of people were complaining that, well, how is it fair that up North, these guys get to be in school and experience education way differently than the kids down South. So, and like, like I said, the government has a tricky, they're in a tricky position because if you take away March breakdown South, you have to do it up north as well and i feel like that would be the argument you know keep everything on the same level but do they have to do they have to well i think because i mean if you if you look at how they rolled everything out they they wouldn't have to i mean like everything's up to them your son was back in school two or three weeks before mine was you know and like yeah, it's 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 hard to handle, but with all the different school boards operating semi-independently, they've act, I think the government's done a decent job so far of of implementing regional response to COVID as necessary, which is nice to see that because Toronto is so bad, the rest of us don't have to suffer as bad. Well, I would hope that's what it would come down to for sure. But I I don't know, man. Like you know, you raise a good point though, and and coming from like coming from northern. Northern Ontario, you know, I, I see from your perspective too, like it's very, it's, it's, it's something that's sensitive to people from the North where because the population centers are down South, you always feel like the politics of the province, the priorities of the province are focused on the GTA and that's greater Toronto area. If you're not from here Um, Mm -hmm. and the rest of us just have to deal with it. So I also understand that politically you know, the North wants to have its own sort of like, look at our context and understand what we're going through. Don't force us to do what Toronto's doing. So that's totally valid. But uh, yeah, I don't know if if they were to just cancel the March break and keep the kids in school. Um, I can't say that I would be upset. Well, I'm just going to say it through like the teacher perspective. Uh, I could tell you how kids are about end of February and March. And they started getting restless and it's like a hormonal thing, man. <laughs> Ask any teacher about a full moon and how kids are. And they'll look at you with deer in headlights, scared out of their mind because they don't want to face kids on a full moon. But it's the same thing with March break. They know March break is around the corner. So they start getting wild. It's like Christmas. It's like the end of the year. It's just like a, a built-in system for them. So you take away the March break. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to see their grades dip even lower than they are. It's they're having a hard time now being in school. Mm-hmm. If you don't give them that break, it's going to be much of the same. Where their their anxiety levels are as high as I've ever seen. Their grades are taking massive hits. Their motivation is gone. 
So like I get the education, but I'm going to tell you right now, missing a week or getting an extra week of school is not going to do anything to change their, their education. I know it's, it's coming from like a Northern area with which, yeah, we didn't miss much school, but I'm saying that as a teacher, they still did the online. If kids are doing their jobs and being responsible for their education and they're trying their best, whether it's online or not, they're still gaining something from that. I know they achieve more being social with a teacher and their, their classmates. I get that. I understand the social aspect of it. They thrive in a social aspect, but I'm saying in terms of like actual subject matter, I'm going to tell you, what do you remember from your grade seven and eight? What do you remember from grade nine? What do you remember from grade 10, 11, 12? I'm going to say there's probably not subject matter that you remember. You remember important events that happened. You remember important actions that happened, but you're not going to remember subject matter. So being in school is about building that rapport and having that social time. So taking away a week of their education and giving them a break, I can tell you they're not going to be missing much. Yeah, I think there are so many variables because you say that and I, and I, I agree with you. But like I think about younger kids and I think about older kids and the kids in the middle and everyone just needs something a little bit different. You know, like after missing two months of school, you know, my son going back is after the first week is just starting to get a routine up and starting to feel good about it again. It's been a fight the last week trying to get him going again. Yeah, but if we if we take out like the social aspect and routines, I'm just talking about sitting in class and learning is what I'm saying. I wouldn't want to take their social aspect away. I don't. But I'm saying like sitting there. If you're in a meeting for 10 hours a day, how much do you retain after the 10th hour? I'm going to say like your past five, six hours are gone. It's the same thing with kids, right? By March, they're done. They're fried. I know it's like a weird thing to think about because they're kids and they shouldn't be like that, but their attention spans are gone. Their ability to retain is no longer there. Mm -hmm. They need that recharge. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I definitely see the value of March break. I just, I don't know. I think about, and again, my, my, my whole context for this is just my kid. And I think about him and what he needs. And I firmly believe what he needs is just uninterrupted school until it's done. Yeah, I, I get I really, I really hate the idea of summer break. If I'm being totally honest with you right now, not that I want to take that away. <laughs> but like now we're just getting into some nitty gritty here. No, but I mean, like for him, you know, and what I think he needs as a, as a, as a young kid right now, I see so much growth when he's at his school talking to his teacher, he said his first complete sentence to me tonight, actually in French, which is a huge win for us. You know, like it, the, the difference in him when he's in school is, is noticeable at home. And if I could, I keep me in year round, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get into that or fight that fight. I'm well, I was gonna say, I don't think that's a, a subject we should get into today. Cause uh, I don't think we have that much time. Let's no, be honest. honest. I don't actually believe that's something that we should do. I'm just saying, like, if I had a choice, that would be cool. But um, yeah, I don't know. Just from my perspective with him, that's what I, I, mean, I think a March break cancellation is fine. As long as it also contributes to the, what we think is going to, you know, help reduce the spread of the virus. But I, I totally defer to your expertise in terms of the impact of the, on the kids. And I realized that, you know, Sawyer is a four-year-old in junior kindergarten that is one of, of what, 13 or 14 grades in school, like the greater good might dictate that they need the time off. Or I guess if we're really looking to curve the virus, 
and keep people in town, it might make sense to avoid the March break. But it's not up to us to decide, I guess. So I can't control it. Nope. Just roll with it. Just roll with it. Get the <laughs> best out of it. And do our part. <laughs> uh, yep. Message of the year. Do your part. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode. As always, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and stay tuned for more weekly episodes of Surviving Real Life.